Gospel of John chapter 10 is where we're going to begin. Well, I'm going to ask you kind of a little quiz here to start. A little bit of a joke, a little bit of a quiz. Um, and the answer is not Jesus. It's not the Sunday school answer, okay? So, here we go. Who is this? Who am I? I'm physically fit. I'm mentally strong. I'm spiritually alive. I'm intellectually sharp. I control my own destiny. I am without fear. It's not James. I love without measure. Who is it? <laughs> that is certainly not true. It, it, it is no one. It is, it's make-believe. It's a, a superhero. No one has those qualities. Now, if I was to say I struggle with eating and gaining weight and exercising, my moods swing, my faith at times wavers, I'm slow to understand why the things come so hard. I'm tossed by the currents of this life. I become anxious over small matters. My love can grow cold. Who is that, Hannah? Hannah? That's Pastor Phil. <laughs> that's me. And I would say that's, that's you too. But that is being human. To be human is to need help. To be human is to be vulnerable, to... Um, be, to be weak. That, that is what it is to be human. And there's a consistent metaphor in the Bible is that people are like sheep who need a shepherd. <laughs> sheep like a shepherd. We're, we're weak in that way. Because of our ne- weakness, we need someone to help us, to guide us, to lead us. There are, there are predators in many different forms that are abounding, and we need a shepherd to take care of us. But you know, predators always don't look like um, wolves, uh, sometimes they look like shepherds. And in the previous chapter, if you remember, Ben taught the previous chapter, Jesus healed a man who was blind from birth. And that man, he represents us all. Remember what Ben said? He says, that man was blind, blind. <laughs> he wasn't just blind, but he was blind from birth. He was helpless of himself. He needed someone to help him. He was blind, blind. He needed a shepherd to care for him, to help his spiritual blindness that we have. But in contrast, there was also um, men in that chapter 9, the previous chapter, they were the leaders. And though they, they, they thought they could see, and they were charged with caring for the people, really they were blind, and they were um, serving not for the good of the blind man and others, but the good of their, themselves. They were serving themselves as leaders. They looked like shepherd of Israel, but they were really Predators, ready to consume. This morning, I think you probably, your Bible probably even says it, this is about the good shepherd. And Jesus is the good shepherd. And rather than consuming the sheep, he was consumed for his sheep. So his sheep might have prosperity, might have life, an abundant life. So the, the, the point of today's message, you'll see it up on the screen, is this. The good shepherd's purpose is your prosperity through his life. The good shepherd's purpose is your prosperity through his life. And we're going to take this in three parts. always like three parts. Longing, so a longing for this shepherd. Uh, Secondly, shepherding. Jesus is the one who shepherds us. He's in shepherding. And then third, listening and following. Our response to his shepherding is listening and following. So longing, shepherding, and then listening and following. So if you would, 
Let's open your Bible, chapter 10. I'm going to read. Please follow along as I read this section. Chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who was oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the Lord's word to us. I think most of you know the metaphor of sheep and shepherd, it has like a long history in Israel. Um, so these words of Jesus, they don't come in, in a vacuum. They, just, they aren't out of place. These are the culmination of a long history, a grand story. So, I, we're going to do a little bit of rewinding here. Or if you want to, modern terms, we're going to skip back a little bit. We're going to go to the, a story of Israel, and we're going to see how this story has developed over time. And I, I don't want us to miss this, because we would miss what Jesus is saying here if we kind of miss the story. Jesus is making a grand, a grand proclamation that, these people, that people have been waiting in Israel for for a long time. So, if you remember back, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham was taken out of Ur of the Chaldeas, Right? He was, a, he was an idolater. And God took him, and he brought this family to the land of Canaan. And they became wandering, nomadic shepherds. They cared for sheep in the land of Canaan. And, and as shepherds, they were well aware of the perils of um, living in, in a land and their sheep. They would, their sheep had many predators, and they were vulnerable without a shepherd to care for them. They also understood themselves, because they were a minorities in a land that was new, they understand the perils and the need for their own protection in this foreign land. They knew it was only God who could multiply their flocks, and they knew it was God 
who only could um, keep them safe. Therefore, though these people were shepherds, they themselves also were sheep and needed a shepherd. So Jacob, so Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, in some of his last words upon this earth, he declared this. He says, The God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, he has been my shepherd all my life long. This is Genesis 48, 15. This is a family of shepherds, and as God's shepherds, as God's shepherds, they still know they needed a shepherd to protect, provide, and sustain them. Now we can fast forward a little bit forward to um, the, the time of Moses in Egypt. God's people were numerous, remember that? But they were taken down to where in slavery? Egypt, all right? And then they were enslaved, and they needed help. And as such, God visited his people and they, with the man named Moses. And where was Moses when God spoke to him? Exodus 3.1. He was out with his sheep. Their God called Moses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt into a plentiful land, like a shepherd leads his sheep. Moses, he did lead them out, if you recall the story, out of Egypt, but he was unable to lead them in. He was supposed to lead them out of Egypt into the promised land. You know the story. What happened to Moses? Well, he became angry with the people because of their grumbling and complaining. The sheep were grumbling and complaining. And so God was angry with Moses, and he says, you can't enter in, you're disqualified as the shepherd. But even so, Moses prayed for the people. And he prayed that they might have a shepherd, so they wouldn't be sheep without a shepherd. This is Numbers 27, 16 and 17. He said this, Moses prays, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. He prays specifically there would be a shepherd to lead him out and lead him in. Now, who was the shepherd? Well, immediately it was Joshua. Joshua became their shepherd, and he led them out of the wilderness, and he led them, led them into the promised land as a good shepherd. Joshua was a fine model as a shepherd. But like all men, what happened to Joshua? He died. And so they needed a new shepherd. So we fast forward a little bit farther. And we come to maybe the most famous shepherd of Israel. Who do you think that would be? David. David was the, the shepherd boy who was out in his fleets, out, his, out with the sheep when he was called to be the king. He had risked his life to take, the, to take his sheep out of the mouth of the bear and out of the mouth of the lion and he risked his life for the people of Israel. He famously saved his people from the, you know, the, their great adversary, the Philistines, by conquering their um, main man, Goliath, through the use of, use of what? The use of shepherd's tools. That's what David did. So he then became the king of Israel, and he was responsible for shepherding the nation like his flock. But David understood, did he not, as he did, that David wasn't the main shepherd. He said, the Lord is the shepherd. Psalm 23, the famous psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters for his name's sake. He knew that it was God who prospers and protects and cares for his people as the shepherd. And as we look back at David, though he was this great shepherd, He was also a man of flaws as well. At his best, he gave his life to serve the people. At his worst, he used the people for his own gain and for his own benefit. In fact, 
That's actually the main problem. Most of the shepherds in Israel's history used the sheep for their own gain, their own prosperity. And so in the latter days of the kingdom, we're getting to the end of this thing, the leaders of Israel were spoken to by God through the prophets against them as these leaders as shepherds that were leading falsely and uh, acting falsely. So I'm going to read you three texts. I'm going to actually ask you to, to turn to the third one. But I'm going to read you three texts in the prophets that speak directly against the, um, against the shepherds. I'll begin with Isaiah. The third one I'll have you turn to. Isaiah said to the leader, says, The dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough, but they are shepherds. This is Isaiah 56, 11. The dogs have a mighty appetite, but they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. So Isaiah prophesies 56, 11 and says, The shepherds were eating the sheep like dogs rather than shepherding the sheep. Now, Jeremiah, Jeremiah says this in chapter 23, verses 1 through 4. He says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold and they shall be fruitful and multiply. Shepherds mistreating the people, using the people. God says, I'm going to bring them back. I'm going to be their shepherd. I'm going to make them fruitful and multiply. Now, here's what I want you to turn to. Turn to Ezekiel, chapter 34. This is right before Daniel that we've been in for the last several, um, several weeks, several months. Ezekiel, chapter 34. We read the first part. Steve read the first part up here on the screen earlier. I'm going to read the second part of you. Ezekiel 34, verse 8. This is key to seeing what, when Jesus speaks next, what he says in chapter 10 of um, John. So Ezekiel 34, 8 says this. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and my, because shepherds have not searched for my sheep, But the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. Then look at verse 15. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. So this is the context. This is what Israel's history has shown, this metaphor of sheep and shepherd. And Israel's God is now saying, the shepherds have failed, but I am going to be your shepherd. They needed a shepherd, but only the Lord will do. This is the long history that leads up to this important time in which Jesus speaks. And the circumstances in their history have, it's a new time, but the circumstances have not changed much. Like chapter 9, the, sh- the shepherds of Israel are supposed to be shepherding, but like the blind man, they've been using them for their own gain. So now, flip back to John chapter 10. Verse 1, Jesus says, Truly, truly, 
Understand. He's going to understand. Understand. Get this. He's going to see this twice in this passage. We see it in verse 7 as well. The, there are shepherds who sneak into the sheepfold. Watch out for them. This is truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. They're frauds. And they come in and they pretend to be shepherds, but they're thieves and robbers. They come for their own benefit. It's about themselves. And then verse 2 and 3, Jesus says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. But the shepherd, he comes in by the gate. The gatekeeper, he opens the door for him because he doesn't come in through trickery and deceit. And he... And the sheep, they know him. They know his voice. They can hear the tone of it. And they hear the sound of it. And he knows each one of them. It says that he, he calls them by name. He has names for each one of his sheep. Individually, personally, he knows them. And he leads them for their good. And then verse 4 says, When he brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So he goes out before them. He, he doesn't... Um, he, 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 he takes the danger first. He comes out to protect them. And it says he has brought out all. He doesn't lose any of them. Though they're personally, individually, he knows all of them and he leads them forward. Jesus is trustworthy they, and they can trust him. They know his voice. And verse 5 says, A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. A sheep can discern. I don't, this isn't my, my, my shepherd's voice an imposter and flees. This is, this is all good news. This is a metaphor that they've been listening to for years. And they know that, that God is their shepherd. This is encouraging news. This is, this is a metaphor that um, should bring great encouragement. You have a God who's a shepherd and he cares for his sheep individually, knows them all. But what's puzzling, this is the puzzle, verse 6 says, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he's saying. So what didn't they understand? This metaphor has been going on for a long time and that they don't understand. Well, what they don't understand is who is who in the metaphor. They don't understand how the metaphor applies to them. The Jewish crowds and leaders, they were blind. They were blind to see who was who in the role. The shepherds were actually using the people. They weren't acting as shepherds. They were the thieves and the robbers. And most, more importantly, and most importantly, is that they think that Jesus is a thief when he's really the shepherd. They thought the exact opposite. That was the majority thought at the time. If you were to take an election or a vote, they would thought Jesus is the thief. That's who he is. I want to pause here for a second. This is a reminder. It's a humbling reminder. That we're slow to understand. We are. We're, we're slow. We don't get it so often. We need the word of God in our lives to give us understanding. We can be just going about life and going through the motions of things or caught in something, and we just don't realize it. We need the word of God to speak to us. Can you, can you think of today where there are so many things that our culture celebrates that the word of God condemns? Can you think of things today where um, the Bible celebrates, but the word of God condemns? Even our, our sharpest, the, the Elon Musk of the world, <laughs> they don't have it all figured out. 
they're under, unable to understand without the Word of God. So um, I, I think it's a little bit, for probably most of us, maybe not all of us, it's a little offensive to hear, you are slow. But it's a truth that's important. It's something that's, that helps us to have longing for the shepherd, to know that we're slow and we lack understanding. It helps us to not think so highly of ourselves, but to know we need a shepherd and to long for him. It's important. So consider that. Pause. Ruminate on it. Do I realize that I need the word of God to speak, to listen? No man or woman can figure out the things of God unless the word of God speaks to us. Now, verse 7 changes from um, this metaphoric language that they should understand to Jesus just speaking much more, still speaking in metaphor, but explaining the characters specifically. And this is what we see in our second point, shepherding. Jesus is the shepherd who shepherds his people. Look at verse 7. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Beginning in verse 7, Jesus speaks here with some clarity. And he says, I am the door. We also see that in verse 9. Jesus' words here would be offensive to some, and they would be glad news for his sheep. Jesus is modifying the metaphor a little bit, though. Do you see? So before the gatekeeper opened for the shepherd to come in, now it's saying Jesus says, I am the door. In Israel at that time, they would have um, a, a sheep fold, an enclosure for the sheep, and sometimes the shepherd was the one who stood in the gap where the door would be, and he was considered the door. He was the entrance and the exit. He allowed those to come in and allowed those to go out. So in the previous more in the previous metaphor, he, the gatekeeper allowed him in as the shepherd. Here he is the door. When Jesus says, I am the door, he is making a claim of uniqueness. He is saying, there is none like me. He's making a unique claim to be that shepherd of God who was spoken of before in all of Israel's history. Verse 8 tells us that all who came before him, those who claimed to be the shepherd, were thieves and robbers. Now I want you to, I went to great length, and hopefully it wasn't too boring for you all, to go through the Old Testament prophets to show you things. But now it's going to hopefully reap some benefits. In um, verse 9, um, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Do you remember how I repeated that over and over again? Moses prayed, give them a shepherd so they won't be sheep without a shepherd so that they can lead them out and lead them in and lead them out. The exact phrase that Moses prayed for, that Joshua fulfilled initially, Joshua's name, does everybody know that? Joshua is the Hebrew form of the Greek name Jesus, Hebrew form of Jesus. Here, Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He's the one who leads out and leads in, the prayer of Moses. In addition, when he says, I am the door, we have our I am statements here on the wall, throughout John, I am, I am, speaking of, this is a divine title. Jesus says, I am the divine God who comes. So Jesus is the one who leads them out and leads them in as the divine shepherd, the promised one. It could be no shepherd except for Jesus or God himself, and Jesus is fulfilling that here in these verses. He is the shepherd of what Moses prayed for, what the prophets declared, Jesus' life is who he's saying he's be. Jesus did not permit people to just ignore him. 
He made great claims about himself. Just think about what he's claiming. If he wasn't truly the shepherd from God, he is an evil one here. But he made great claims about himself to be the one who is the shepherd from God. He's using this metaphoric language, but he's saying, this is who I am. I am the door. I am the only way to be saved. I'm unique in that way. We must decide about Jesus. We must decide if we're for him or against him. He didn't allow for us to take a middle road. And we'll see here, and we know, is that those who rejected him, they didn't just say, oh, you know, no big deal. They became angry with Jesus. I'm going to see in the rest of John, they became so angry, murderously angry. That's why it says here, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But for those who know Jesus and follow him, it's also, it changes your life. And you follow him and know him in a, in a deeper and greater way. Look at the blessings that come for those who follow Jesus as, his, as their shepherd. It says, if anyone enters by me, verse 9, he will be saved. Saved from sin. And will go in and out and find pasture. This is a, a place of, of blessing and fruitfulness that are given. And then verse 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy the thief. But I came that they might have what? Life. And just have a little of it? No. Have it abundantly. There's abundance of life. Just think of the fruit of the Spirit that Jesus gives to those who are his sheep. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Did I miss one? Joy? Good, goodness. These are the blessings. This is the abundance of life that gives us. He gives us mercy and mercy in abundance. Grace and grace in abundance. He gives us truth and truth in abundance. This is the benefits of knowing the shepherd, of walking with the shepherd. This is what he gives to his sheep. His abundance. We have to decide with Jesus, though. There isn't a halfway in, a halfway out. He either is the door, he is the great shepherd, or he's not. And it makes a difference. The contrast is night and day between those who are the false shepherds and Jesus who is the good shepherd. Abundance for us. Now, if we continue on, we look at uh, verse uh, 11. He says there's a a way in which Jesus brings abundance. And we're going to see this from verses 11 to 18. So, uh, and, and we know this so very much, but... It is striking and marvelous the way in which Jesus brings abundance to his sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The way in which the shepherd, the good shepherd, not just shepherd, but good shepherd, brings abundance to his sheep is through his own life. He gives his life for his sheep. From this point forward in the Gospel of John, the, the, the time has been kind of like... Um, through 10 chapters, you're probably covering two in some years. And then from this point forward in John, it's going to collapse. And it's all about his death upon the cross. It is screaming toward that place now as John, as Jesus makes this statement that the good shepherd lays in his life for his sheep. Chapter 11 is about Lazarus and about his death and Jesus being the life and resurrection. And then we move into the week before Jesus' death upon the cross. He is 
the good shepherd because he lays down his life. He gives of himself for others. Unlike the hired hand, let's see verses 12 and 13, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not know the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Unlike the hired hand who flees and runs when endangered, he doesn't stick out his neck, he saves his own skin. The good shepherd, he is devoured by the wolf so his sheep might come to safety. David, the shepherd boy, he put his life in front of the lion and the bear and snatched out. Jesus, even greater, he died for his sheep. And the shepherd doesn't not just um, care for the sheep in general. It's personal. He said this before, but look at verse 14. Emphasizing it, he's now declaring, this is me. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Jesus specifically dies for his sheep. For Jerry and for Curtis and for Chris, specifically by name, knowing them, he dies for his sheep. And how well does he know the sheep? Well, it tells us in verse 15, he knows the sheep just as well as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus knows his sheep so personally, it's well as the Father knows the Son, and the Son knows the Father. And to make the point even clearer, in verse 16, he says, there are other sheep, there's another fold that's not here, here, but I'm still going to bring them in because they're my, they're my sheep. Verse 16, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. We now, looking back on that time, we know that to be the nations of the world, the Gentiles. Jesus had it. Others from another fold he would bring in. And as the shepherd king of the prophets declared that, that the Davidic king of Jesus would be one who ruled over the nations, and Jesus is saying, I fulfill that. I have other, another fold to bring in. And they will be one flock, one shepherd, a united church, Jews and Gentiles, the nations brought in under Christ under this shepherd. This is the Jesus declaring about himself. And then verses 17 and 18, there's something about a love that comes out. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I receive from my Father. The Father loves the Son. He's loved the Son from eternity past. Their relationship has been one of love between them. But there's a special love in which the way Jesus has obediently laid his own life down for his sheep. For to fulfill the promises of the Father, to be the shepherd of the sheep, of God being the shepherd, Jesus obediently, willingly lays down his life of his own accord and there's a special love that is fostered between father and son because of Jesus' self-sacrificial love for the sheep which God himself said he would shepherd. This is the way in Jesus, this is the things that Jesus is saying about himself. If you were a sheep of Jesus' fold, it really could not get any better. It couldn't get any better. Abundant life, being known personally. Someone personally dying for you, knowing you by name. But the thing is, 
He didn't remain dead, did he? <laughs> He's alive. Look what it says here, verse 18. Uh, I have authority to lay it down about his life, and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus' perfect sacrificial life as the shepherd, he died, but that life could not be held down. He rose again. His life, he has power over death and life. He is the shepherd who the grave could not contain. His perfect life conquered death, and he has a power to, to rise up others because of that. It cannot get any better. If you hear these words and you rejoice, that's because you're a sheep. That's because you're his sheep. Your shepherd is a good shepherd. He cares for you, and it's personal to him. But, like we know, we've seen it before, verses 19 through 21 uh, are what we already know. There's division. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who was pressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The life Jesus brings, the life of Jesus brings division. And it demands a decision. The life of Jesus brings division and it demands a decision. You must decide what you're going to do with Jesus. Again, it's, there's no middle road here. He's either crazy, possessed by a demon by saying these things, or he is true, this shepherd of God's people, the one who loves to the point of death. He's the promised shepherd of God. You're in his flock or you're not. He's either your shepherd or not. And you either listen and follow or not. And that leads to our final point. And really the, just what I would say all of you, us want to take home today. Listening and following. Listening and following. There are many out there who shepherd. But there's no other who is the good shepherd. And this shepherd, he lays down his life for you. Therefore, it's just simple. Listen and follow his way. That's the simple response. Listen and follow. We see that throughout this text. If you're a sheep, he speaks the truth, and you know the tone of his voice. He speaks in an accent that you know. You know his tone. You know the shepherd. And so when he speaks, his words are like honey, and his commandments, they're not burdensome. He speaks for your good. And so Listen and follow. Follow the path, though. Follow the path of giving. What was his path? Follow the path of giving of self for the prosperity of others. If you were to read that um, out of the context of this, this, this message this morning, you could say, well, this is a prosperity gospel. I believe in Jesus. I get prosperity. His whole life was for my prosperity. That is true. But the way of prosperity is the way of death to self. It's the path of Christ. Jesus laid down his life for the prosperity of others. We follow the same as Christians. We lay down our life for the prosperity of others. Following Jesus is a, follow, is a path of laying down one's rights and privileges. I want you to turn to a place for me. Last place we're going to turn. First Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, towards the end of your Bible, right before 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Jude. 1 Peter chapter 5, 
I guess I forgot Second Peter in there. First Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And again, probably your Bible says this. This says, shepherd the flock of God. There's a particular responsibility to shepherd the flock of God. And God, um, j- just because Jesus is the good shepherd, then there's none like him, that does not mean that he doesn't have human shepherds that are under him. So let me read this, and we'll talk about it a little bit. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Following the path of Jesus is to be a shepherd of others. He shepherded, you shepherd. But you always shepherd as under him and following in his way. And his way is to lay down his life for the sheep. In particular... I speak to elders. I don't know if anybody else is elders in the room besides me right now. Anybody else in the elder room? Mark's in the back there. <laughs> and Jason, there we go. I couldn't see. My eyes are bad. We have a special calling to shepherd the church. We shepherd as under Christ. We are to, be, to do so with, with joy because Christ is, loves us and died for us. We're to do so in a way that um, is, is not demanding obedience, but be an example to the flock. This is to shepherd the church of God. It is to speak with grace and mercy. It is to bear long with others. It is to lay down one's life. This is the role of the shepherd. It's a great responsibility that Jesus will hold us in account for. But there's a great blessing in it too. Look at verse 4 of chapter 5 there. And when the chief shepherd, this is the same shepherd as the good shepherd, but he's the chief shepherd because he's over these other shepherds, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. There's great blessing in following the shepherd and shepherding others. But does this leave all other church members off the hook? No. No. We're all to follow in these same footsteps. To lead and shepherd and care for others in so many different ways. Um, church members, to lay down your life for your co-workers, to be inconvenienced, maybe for someone um, in the church body here. Go out of your way to do things that would be hard. Following the shepherd, shepherd means listening to his voice and following in his ways. There's abundance that is in store for you, and even in serving there's abundance that's given to you. But you want to give you your time, your money, your energy, to lay down yourself for the benefit of this is the way of the shepherd. It's the way in which we follow when we listen to Jesus. How about just husbands and wives, spouses? How do you do this? Well, you lay down your life. Is winning the argument all that important in the long run? The way of... <laughs> my mom just nodded yes. <laughs> I come from a long line of people who want to win arguments. 
And the long run, no. Laying down our lives is for the betterment of our spouse and ultimately for the betterment of ourselves is listening and following Jesus. There's blessing in that. Kids, lay down your lives and your families. Complaining. Replace complaining with serving. How can you better your family by um, making it more difficult on yourself? Helping others. This is the way of following Jesus. Is this fair? No, it's not fair. Jesus' way isn't fair, though. He takes the unfairness upon himself. He willingly takes it upon himself for the benefit of others. This is the path of the good shepherd that we are to follow. Um, this has been a, a different week because it's Thanksgiving, and so my sermon prep was kind of like divided up and jumping between things. But um, I was just really encouraged by John 10 this week. It, it, it isn't a complicated chapter. Most of these things, you probably know them very well. You've probably heard them many times. But you wouldn't reflect on how good the Lord is, how profound this is that you have a shepherd who loves you personally and individually and like you, you know his voice and as you, as you read his Bible, as you read his words in the Bible over time, you, you grow in love for him and it's just there's this special relationship. This is the, the good shepherd. He has this relationship with you. He laid down his life for you. This is encouraging for me. I, I want to follow him. Uh, um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessing to be um, part of his fold, his flock. It, it's, it's good news. We're going we're gonna to close this morning by singing a, a final song. It's Speak, O Lord. And Speak, O Lord, I think it's just it's the right, right, you know, right way to close. To listen and obey, to listen and follow. So as we sing this song, let's, let's make it a prayer. Um, this, this is the words of one of the choruses. I just want to read it here. Teach us, Lord, full obedience holy reverence, true humility, test our thoughts and our attitudes. You know, we, we are lack, lack understanding in so many ways. Our attitudes are out of place. And the radiance of your purity, do these things. Cause our faith to rise and our eyes to see. We're weak. We need the God to strengthen our faith and for our eyes to be able to see him. Your majestic love, let us see it in your authority. Words of power that cannot, can never fail. Let their truth prevail over unbelief. So let's make that this our, our prayer this morning as we as we sing this final song and